0: It's time for the Had dot com radio show. Had dot com radio is an in depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Had dot com. Now here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome ladies and gentlemen on this twenty third day of December, two thousand and fifteen. I'm uh, on everyone out there. If you're going to travel over the holidays, please drive careful, and don't drink and drive whatever you do. Uh, We're here today with our co-host, Jay Bassler, and our guest speaker today is Bob Walsh. He's attorney in law. And uh, Bob, how are you doing today?
1: Well, I'm doing pretty good. I had... uh to to run up and down the expressway four out of five days last week and go to Detroit for hearings. But I've caught up on my sleep, and I guess we're ready to go here.
0: Well, that's a good deal. Has anything new been going on with the BA? Well,
1: you know, I thought we'd kind of do a little retrospective over the year i know you got one more show next next week for the year end but uh, one thing i think we all ought to do is take a moment to uh, reflect on the friends we've lost the show lost uh, an important guy here this year and and uh i was saying telling jay before the show that we had a week back there uh and I think in February, there was uh, a 14-day period where I lost 10 veterans. And uh, what was disquieting to me is, is one of them was a Vietnam vet who was younger than me. The other was a Vietnam vet who was a little bit older than me. Uh, the rest of the guys were Korean War and World War II. And you know, you don't rule it out, but it's still, um, you know, kind of comes through there like a, burning through there like a prairie fire, and uh, so we were getting to where we didn't want to open the email or pick up the phone or anything. I mean, it was pretty bad. Uh, Of course, this year saw the the departure of uh, Undersecretary Hickey, and Undersecretary Hickey was an Air Force officer, and she she graduated from the, as I recall, from the Air Force Academy, but then she had moved over into logistics and maintenance. So as she was, has been implementing this BBMS, this computerization program, one of the things that she was working on was was quality indicators. In other words, if you if you're working on an aircraft and you've done the maintenance on it, uh, there are several levels of inspection and then that aircraft is deemed fit for service. It has to be zero defects, you know, aviation maintenance, weapons maintenance, um, open heart surgery. There are certain things that, that, that we really Try to get to that target. Electronic manufacturing—you know the 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 folks that make these computer chips that go in your in your PCs, you know, and all of these devices—they they really strive to get the 99.99999 and get that that thing out there where it really works. And one of the things they do is is they use the forms and the reports and things to give feedback. There's a feedback loop and they want that data to come back. So what's in the new system in VBMS is that if you deny a claim and we were talking about social security and social security judges I'm telling you the social security administration uh, they've got it logged in I think when these judges go, go down the hall to get a cup of coffee. I mean they've got the statistics on these administrative law judges really dialed in and they can tell you um, how much time they spend for each decision on average over a year or a month or a week they can tell you how many affirmances how many denials and then they can tell you of course if there's reversals from the court up above And they can really minutely track these cases. Well, that's what's in the VA system now. In in VBMS, they're going to be able to track that. Now, whether there's a parallel system being implemented at the board or how the, the board has tracked statistics over the years, I don't know. Now, I was talking to Thomas Banzel, and he said that this great, big, gigantic Budget bill that they snuck through the other day—that you know nobody's had a chance to, you know, to to dig down through it and find out what's in there. You know, uh, you know, it could be good news; it could be bad news. They got to kind of do the autopsy on it and find out what's in there. Uh, There, there were some some things coming along, you know, one of the things he thinks it's not in there was adding glioma and some of these other Asian orange diseases. Uh, there's been a lot of effort going on to get a lot of those those uh, cancers and other things added in. And of course, the reason it's not getting done is because of money. It's strictly because of money. Congress doesn't want to pay the bill. You know, they want to eat the meal and then they want to sneak out, go get up and Excuse themselves to go to the bathroom and then sneak out the the fire escape and not pay the bill on their dinner. So they start these wars and they don't want to pay the tab at the end of the game. So we don't know what's in this this big bill. Uh, we we think there's some some veterans material in there. And uh, but what we do know is that VBMS is now. Being implemented. They're not meeting their year end calendar year 2015 target to have everybody automated, but their migration is probably 75 or 80% complete. Now, the reason I was so busy last week is because uh, normally when we turn in a notice of disagreement, if somebody hasn't had a hearing, we will ask
0: for a hearing
1: before a decision review officer, a DRO. And I guess down Detroit, they'd just throw that back in the corner and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. forget that like they do with everything. But the problem is in this VBMS system is they've been migrating the cases over from VACOLs, the old system, over onto VBMS, And it seems to me that somebody's having to do that almost manually, like, you know, get in the old system and look and see what issues were open and see what was going on and then transfer them over. It didn't happen automatically. That uh, these hearings came up and I assume there's some kind of a standard that's built into the new VBMS system saying well somebody requested the RO hearing it must be held within 120 days well heck I've been waiting for some of them for 3 years and so all of a sudden they're all in a panic because that report's going up to Washington and I'm sure that fire and brimstone was raining down on Detroit from from 810 Vermont people jumping up and down saying you people got uh, you know a thousand hearings backlogged that are past due so you better either get people to cancel them and withdraw the request or you better get them done so that, that was was going on another thing a lot of people as you guys have heard and we talked about it several times over the past year or two uh, this fiduciary service, uh, these fiduciary hubs, not taking years to get the wives or daughters uh, approved as the as the pay fiduciary for a for a sick veteran. And I had a a client; they've been married for forty five years or something, and. She couldn't get this done, couldn't get it done. And of course, you've got all that bad pay. The retroactive award is held in suspense. You know, the family can't get at the retroactive benefits. All that's all tied up. They're getting their monthly pay right along, but they're not giving them access to that. So it was over two years, but the wife got into IRIS and sent that IRIS email in VBMS, you know, in my benefits. And within two weeks, we had it resolved, so I'm gonna pound on the table, and I'm gonna say again, you know several times during the year in the show we've we've talked about the need to get signed up for my healthy vet and my e benefits and I'm gonna say it again, you've gotta do that now if if the my healthy vet is working, but you're blocked when you try to go over to e benefits, that's because you need the DEERS account. D-E-E-R-S. Now what DEERS was was a system, was the new payroll system of DOD that came in about 1981-82. So anybody that was in the Guard or the Reserve or on active duty after that period, they've got a DEERS account. But for the folks that weren't then that's a that's a question. you don't have it? And that deers account is the vehicle, the sort of the system through which the VA system talks to the DOD system. And for some reason it's a feature that's needed to get my e benefits to work. And I think what happens is that is that going through my benefits I think you can get over into the to your service records if they're up on the computer I think you can get to them so we tried to we've tried to encourage our clients to get that going and I know there was a period there in September for about 2 weeks when VBMS when the my benefits system was not working I was getting all kinds of phone calls from clients, but fundamentally, that system everything's going that way. you know that's the trend the 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 tide of computerization is coming in, and we know that when they're scanning these records, these files, when they're converting them over to digital, we know they're messing some of them up. Daryl's got his scars about that. You know, I know he's had trouble with it, but trust me, there's there's a lot of guys. We, we had one guy the other day here, we were working on his file, and, and all his new stuff was, was in this file St. Louis sent us, but none of his old stuff. Well, his old stuff is his service records, all his claims, and they hadn't scanned it. Now, I, I don't know whether they've lost volume one of his records or if the contractor just screwed up and, and automated volume three and then didn't get you know volume one and two or something like that. But we, we we're digging into it. But we may well have to gather up all that stuff. He says he's got it. I told him to send it to me. I'm going to send it in again. So you gotta be watching this. Well, when you get on MyE Benefits, you can look at that record and you can see what's down in there without having to go through the, you know, the heartache of of ordering it and waiting for it. But it seems to me that the smart move for everybody is to fill out the VA 3288 form. You know, get the PDF, fill it out and say, hey, send it to me. Send me my, my complete file with all my service records and everything and see what they've done to it. You know, see see what's happened from St. Louis down there. Now, you don't write to St. Louis to get it. You take the 3288 and you fax it in to the web portal, either to Janesville or Noonan, Georgia, whichever half of the country you're you're located in. So I think that going forward into the new year, I think everybody needs to do that and see what see what's going on. Now, they're sending out CDs now, so they'll send you a CD with this Adobe PDF of your file on there. One thing we've been doing, we've been going back and taking our claims files, and we've been putting page numbers on it. It's called Bates numbering, B-A-T-E-S. And Adobe Professional Program and some of these other nuance, some of these these PDF um, assisting programs with some added features in them, will put those numbers on. And because the court puts the numbers in the center at the bottom, and the, the VA Medical Center's number their page is usually over on the right, we've been putting our numbers on the lower left-hand corner. And we've made them a little different type font, made them them bigger than the numbers the court or the hospital uses. So that way we've got some tracks in the snow. Uh, This was a year where we had a big fight where we had turned in a, a report from a psychologist along with a new claim in 2009, and we lost at the board, and we got up to the veterans court and we got the record, and we looked at it, and we said, "Whoa, Nellie, where's
0: the,
1: where's the, uh, where's the IME? Where's the doctor's report?" And they said, "Well, we, it, it's not in this file, and so that means we never got it." I said, "Well, you've got my certificate of service, you've got the claim, you adjudicated the claim, and mysteriously, the most important piece of evidence in the whole file disappeared." Well, now that submission would all be sequentially page numbered so that if they rip the center out of it, we can come back and say, well, you know, where's page 10 through 17 if you didn't do anything wrong? And you hate to go to these extraordinary means with these people, but they're just uh, you know, you can you can attribute it to, to, to willful and intentional, or you can just say they're just incompetent. I don't know. Another trend this year, and we're litigating that up at the court, is th- these missing documents. We've talked about this several times on the show, and I got hit with it again last week. We had this hearing with the DRO, and he said, well, you know, you guys... We, got a little bit of an increase there. It got an adjusted uh, effective date uh, that I did September 18th. And I said, well, what about the other issue? And he said, well, I issued a statement of the case on September 15th. And my client and his wife and I are sitting there and says, we never got it. That's last week. And he said, well here it is, so he printed it off from the computer and and gave it to us. Now, it turned out we didn't need to appeal that issue. But once again, the mail system totally failed there, and the only reason we knew there had been two decisions made is because the attorney fee coordinator at the regional office, this guy, he got a little bit of back pay for that, and we had gotten an attorney fee decision. And if we would have not received that attorney fee decision, the only tracks in the snow would have been the money coming into his bank account. But again, as we've warned everybody and cautioned everybody during the last year with this, and and I think it's, at one time it was 50% of, of everything coming out of, of Noonan we weren't getting. And, you know, it's... Sometimes the client gets it, which we had happen uh, two weeks ago. The client called up and said, well, I got this. And I said, well, we didn't. Please send us a copy. And we sent a letter around uh, to everybody, all our clients, saying, you know, when you get something, you call us up because we're not getting it. And this is Outrageous. And there's actually a VA regulation that's been in place since 1947 that hasn't changed a word that says that a veteran must always get a copy of everything you do, and if the veteran's represented, the representative also gets a copy. Now, I know some of the service organizations like to have this exclusive contact, where the mail doesn't go out. Now, we have mentally ill clients. We have clients that are elderly and kind of blind and different things. But they all have an assistant. They have somebody in their family, somebody that gets their mail, somebody that helps them. And, you know, if it's a fiduciary for somebody that's mentally incompetent, we mail to the fiduciary, but we mail to somebody. We mail everything out. And it's a cornerstone of our jurisprudence of the way we do things in our, you know, our civil courts and administrative agencies. You know, the the Secretary of State doesn't fail to send you the notice to renew your driver's license and then climb all over you when you don't renew it. You know, they send it out there. They want you to renew it. Or if... the you know, if the person's deceased or if the person's no longer physically able to drive, they want to know and, and cancel the driver's license and, and get rid of it. But this is this is a really big deal, and we're up at the Federal Circuit now in a case called Shields, and we're just briefing it. Uh, this is a fundamental violation of due process for the veterans. Now, some of the the numbers game, we were talking earlier, says, you know, uh, figures don't lie, but liars sure can figure. And let's go back and revisit a topic that we talked about several times in the last couple of years, the backlog. Now, the VA made that press release in August, and they said, "Wow, well, you know, the VA claims backlog is now under 100,000. It's the lowest in department history. Well of course we've also we know now that the so World War 2 veterans are down to uh um, under a million the Korean War is 1. Point, era is 1.9 million 5.5 million peacetime vets 7 million Gulf War era vets and 7.2 million Vietnam era vets as of 93014 that's the the newest roll up summary i could find i'm, su- I'm sure that the year end report will be coming out in a, in a few weeks after the first of the year now general shinseki created a sort of a a a big a big bump in the statistics when the CLL cancer and the um, the heart and Parkinson's came through. And he signed that and, and made that presumptive, and he was right to do that, and that was a big deal. And, of course, that those were probably the ones that had impacted the most. We know there's a lot of other things like glioma cancer, brain cancer is just, burning through the Vietnam veterans like a prairie fire we know that's a bad one but they just can't decide to pay that bill they say that the that the claims peaked out at 611,000 in March of 2013 I think with the automation, I think they are doing a little better. Now, I will say this about BBMS: we had a a a fellow that was in that time between Korea and Vietnam, is 1956-57, and uh, we've been fighting on his claim forever. And he had a he had a PTSD claim, but he also had been in an atomic bomb test and and his ears had gotten dinged up his hearing was real bad and we'd been denied on that and we'd been keeping it alive but we hadn't hadn't done anything with it and I told him in the spring I said you you need to go over see my audiologist and get the report and everything and and he and his wife drove over while the weather was nice you know uh, from Detroit came over here and saw this uh, audiologist that was working on these things for us and uh, we got that report, which said it was least as likely as not that his hearing loss and his tinnitus were related to his military service. And we sent that in um, along with, the you know, the DBQ and everything to the um, to Noonan. You know, we faxed it in under the fully developed claim business. It wasn't really a new claim. It was... You know, just in addition to new evidence. And six weeks later, we got a rating back on that, and that man got a big retroactive award because he was up at like fifty percent, and that pushed him up to seventy or eighty, and it made a huge. And we'd been keeping it alive for about ten or twelve years, and it made it was a huge thing. So that that's one where the computer system worked and nobody got their hands on it and messed with it. You know, the people stayed out of it and let the computer do its thing. And boom, boom, you know, that got taken care of. Well, I assume around the country that's happened. Now, we also know, let's talk about the dark side of VBMS. I think I commented on here a few months ago that that VBMS had been co-opted by certain people in the... Uh, in the agency, certain adjudicators, and they turned it into a denial bot. It's just a robot just a bing, bing, bing. I was getting denials on Vietnam vets with uh, type 2 diabetes and you know, get guys with gunshot wounds, purple hearts getting denied and all kinds of silly stuff. Now the DROs have been cleaning up some of that foolishness. Uh, we had... Uh, an Example of that is a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were over with our veteran. He he has uh, uh, he when he had his heart attack, his Agent Orange related heart attack. He lost circulation in his feet. Uh, got what, really down. He was uh, he was really uh, in the ICU. I guess for for maybe a week or something. a really a bad thing. And because the circulation was so bad, he ended up um, having to have his feet amputated. And so he now has prosthetic uh, legs, and and uh, he's but he's pretty much wheelchair bound. So we had turned in, and he's a hundred percent scheduler, but we turned in for aid in attendance for his wife, and we got denied. And we got over there, and he was there, and his wife, and his son, and the DRO came out, and he said, Come with me, and we're going to conference on this. We're not going to have a hearing. And he said, This is pretty fouled up. And I said, "You, You noticed. And what it was was somebody either willfully derailed this claim or misunderstood because what they said their rationale in the decision was that they already were 100% and they couldn't have uh, they couldn't have SMC they couldn't have aid in attendance housebound, and so we were just sitting there shaking our head and he took care of it but the point is it became an appeal So that claim went down, that claim was resolved, it was pulled out of the six hundred and eleven thousand. But where did it go? It's whack a mole, you know, you push down over here and it pops up over there. So now you got all these appeals. So now the DROs are working overtime, people are working overtime, and you're getting all these statements of the case when you can get them, when, when they actually get to you and don't uh, go out into cyberspace. So Thomas Banzel and I were discussing this, and we, we said, you know, there's a donut hole here. There's There's a gap. In this accounting cycle, because this you know it's like it's like any business accounting, financial accounting, anything or you know if it, if you're doing production accounting in a factory, you've got to account for all your time and the stages and and all of the the material and all the equipment, and there was this big gap you know what's so, from the time that a VA-9 form is filed, the board does not take jurisdiction of that appeal at that moment in time.
0: Well, shouldn't they?
1: Well, th- that logically, but what they do is, oh, no, they don't take they they don't, until it's certified by the regional office, it's in purgatory. And so Thomas and I were talking about this on the phone one night, about 6 o'clock at night, and I said, because he was going in the next day to the monthly VSO meeting with Undersecretary Hickey. And I said, you know, there's a there's a tsunami wave of these appeals coming, and this is a management information system. You know, this is a system where you're capturing data. If if, if this stuff's falling into this giant hole here, so the board has got this three year wait two-and-a-half-year wait right now to get up to bat. And so that's where you get that 90-day, you know, you get that, so you, you get you get a letter from the regional office saying your appeal's been certified. Okay. Even then, I don't think the board is putting it on their workload. They say, oh, no, when, we'll call the case from the R.O., when we call the case and we want the file and we send out the ninety day letter, you know there's a docketing letter, and then there's that ninety day letter right? Well, at some point in time, either the docketing letter or the ninety day letter they're they're finally picking it up on their on their b v a workload. But I think you guys are sitting there shaking your head, and you can see the problem here. Where's all these VA nines? All these appeals are sitting out there, and so Thomas put his hand up, you know, and he asked that question, and everybody was tap dancing around it and hemming and hawing and oh No, that that's not the way it works, and you just don't understand the stuff, and you know, you need to, you know, you need to get a grip on yourself, and and then. After the discussion, it kind of came back, and then the next month they took it up again, and I guess they kind of came to the conclusion that, oh, my God. So I think they've been working to try to resolve that and and plug that gap in their, in their accounting.
0: Well, uh, what's this deal here, Bob, where they keep sending the claim back for further development?
1: Well, okay, there's a couple things. We're talking about migrating to VBMS, right? They, you know, uh, nvlsp has got this class action lawsuit about the forms. Remember, you used to, used to just take a 214138 or back of an envelope and write out a notice of disagreement. I disagree with your decision dated so-and-so, and I want to appeal it to the board, right? Oh, but that's not good enough. Now, we've got to have a form. We got the NOD form. But the NOD form wasn't good enough because you had little have little square there for each letter, and a little square. Well, they changed that back in May or June, July, something. They've been they've been changing all the forms and putting these little squares in them. And we had filed a 21-526-EZ or a, or a 526-B for someone, And we get a letter saying, well, thanks for your informal claim. You know, you're welcome to file a a formal claim within a year, you know, this date. And we looked, and what it was is that form had been changed uh, a week before we had filed that. They were rejecting NODs that were filed on the form, even though they hadn't. They may have been the Federal Register or something said that they, you know, but they didn't give you a grace period of a year or something. Said, you know, this this form, uh, the old form will still work for a year or two, and then we're going to phase it out. Oh no 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 no! Immediately. So you got these little twits at the at these ROs. or at these mail centers wherever, I don't know pulling this stuff out of line and wasting time and sending us a letter and sending it back to us so that we can redo the form and send it in because the little blocks aren't there now (coughs) they sat right there on C-SPAN on the record in front of the House Veterans Affairs Committee leaned to the mic and told the chairman that they would do no such of a thing. And here they are. So they can, you know, like my dad used to say, you know, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. They think they're in charge up there at 810 Vermont.
0: But they're not.
1: You know, the people down the trenches are in charge. And if you've got a, a rogue DRO or you got some clerk or somebody, and they want to monkey wrench everything, they can. So.
0: And they do.
1: Sure, and they do, and and, and you know, uh, you know, you you you've heard people tell you the story of the, you know, the DRO or somebody. Uh, we had a hearing uh two weeks ago with a a young RVSR. On a heart case. And I explained to her till I was blue in the face, up one side and down the other, that look, this guy meets the criteria for 60%. He meets it on the CMP exam, and he meets it on his private exam. You can't reduce him. And I said, by the way, why are you reducing him anyway when he's got a claim in for unemployability, he's got a claim in for PTSD, he's got a hearing loss, tinnitus. Why don't you work all this other stuff and then talk about this reduction thing? And we walked out of there and the family asked me, the husband and wife asked me what's going to happen. I said, oh, they're going to reduce you. They're going to, She's going to reduce you and put you in overpayment status. And then we're going to wait a year and the DRO is going to say, what kind of foolishness is this and put it all back and then work all the other stuff and you're going to be up getting your unemployability. But that's all wasted work. It's all process. You know, that's that's if if I was telling somebody the other day, I said, if if you were making cars, the way the VA does business, every car would have to run back through the assembly line five times, and you could never make any money because cause you were, you know, you know, your production was only one fifth of what it potentially could be.
0: Uh, Bob, we have a caller in here. Caller, uh, do you have a question or
2: comment? Uh, it's for Simmons, Gerald. Oh, hi, Bernie. Merry Christmas. Yeah, hi. Hi, Bob. Long time no see. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a very interesting show. Uh, I do have a question, but I do want to highlight a few things that Bob said. He said the phrase, willfully derailed. Yeah, we all know about that. Willfully derailed. Uh, and one reason these uh, appeals are in such backlog is that the VA... Uh, when they get the I-9, before they certify, certified, they tell out an I-8. Uh, I have a copy of an I-8 somewhere. It's all bullcrap. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you get, you know? Uh, they, they just It's just a checklist. Some lackey sits there and um, fills out yes instead of no, because it, for some of the questions, if the answer is no, honestly, uh, it would still, um, it couldn't be certified. Uh, another thing that holds up appeals is the 646. If you have a vet rep, uh, they are given the opportunity to fill out the 646 before uh, the appeal um, is, before the DDA actually even uh, goes over the decision. Uh, you might get a vet rep who doesn't have a clue about your case filling out a generic 646, and the bad part is it might. Uh, he might need a, de- a dustbuster buster before he even gets it because he's got so many other ones to do. But um, they're just some of my uh, personal uh, remarks, Bob. You, you have provided excellent, as always, excellent uh, information for veterans. Uh, uh, one other thing, uh, I always tell veterans, follow the remand themselves if they can. And Gerald might recall that I picked up a tip in one of his remands and found the email for the exact person who, the BBA, was ordering the regional office to handle some information on his mustard gas uh, claim. Uh, that was a long time ago. I found the exact email, and I know Gerald. You did contact the woman and um, got some feedback from her, but it was so long ago, I don't remember what it was. But there are ways that a veteran or, or claim any claim can follow the remand themselves. Okay. Well, and try here's, and get what. Well, oh,
1: go ahead, Bob. Here's the deal: the iris email, the I R I S iris, iris oh, yeah. email system, the VA internal email system. The gateway to that is my e-benefits. And if the guys will, and and you know, I've had these guys say, "Well, I don't own a computer," and I said, "Well." Oh. Go to the library or go to the VA Medical Center and use the one in their library. The librarian will sit you down and log you on. Okay. Yeah. The other thing is, the old guy says, I don't know anything about computers. I said, pull out your wallet. Have you got 20 bucks in there? Yeah. I says, you got a 12-year-old kid living next door? (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) Hire him. Exactly. There's no excuse. And uh, sure, for spouses please. of veterans, uh, their veteran might die someday, and without a computer, they will lose their DRC or whatever they apply for. It. But they'll lose it if they don't have a computer. That's only my opinion too. Uh, well, you're it's, absolutely it's, right. all,
1: it's all going automated, and if
2: and and you know, yeah. we all
1: we uh, can all say, uh, I'll tell you, some of my hippest guys, some of some of the guys that are that are the most dialed in on this computer are some of my World War II vets.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, sure they are. Sure they are. And and good
1: for them. Young guys, and and these young bats, I'll tell you, we had a young lady come in. I told the story before of the young lady who came in here, and and she she was just getting signed in, and I asked her for a document. She had everything. She was very well organized. She's a a pilot. And she was very well Mm -hmm. organized, but she had one document she didn't have. And she took her phone out of her pocket, and I thought, well, she's going to call her husband and say, "Hey, you know, read me that thing that's up on the refrigerator under the magnet or something." Oh, no, 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 no. She opens up her phone and there's an app in there for my E benefits.
2: <laughs> and she goes, <laughs> yeah. she goes into
1: my E benefits on her phone app and pulls up
2: the document
1: so we could get the date off. Boy.
2: Her. Boy, that that's great, Bob. You know, veterans can go to Iris if they don't have, uh, if they're not signed up with any benefits yet. They can go to Iris directly uh, through the VA website. It's the Contact Us button, and then you click on it, and then it says Ask a Question, and that'll take you to Iris. Uh, I've used it for years. If you don't get a response from Iris within uh, seven or ten days, uh, well, maybe you should wait a little longer. If if you then file an Iris complaint. Which is a little bit detailed but you can do it there. Uh that usually gets their attention uh quickly because the complaints, as I understand it, go to VA central office. Right. So but, I've had but, luck but on The thing that, is but that the IRIS system is record
1: <coughs> traffic. And and those emails are gonna go in your claims file. Go ahead, Burr.
2: Wait. Oh, uh, I'm waiting for you, Bob. Uh, I thought I lost uh, contact with you. No, I, I, what
1: I said was that that IRA stuff is record traffic, and it all goes into the claims file, so it's going to be there. Oh, yeah. So there's Oh, that's tracks, right. There's tracks in the snow.
2: Right. We're, and we're I getting...
1: suggest all of us. We're getting very good response on IRIS emails. We're getting, usually within a, within 48 hours, two business days, you're getting a response back and really good. getting action. So that's really good.
2: Yeah, good. Uh, I always suggest that they ask for an email or snail mail response because that way they, a veteran will have hard copy documentation of the response. But you're right, uh, all of that goes into the C file, too, as IRIS... Uh, you know, inquiries. The reason I called in, uh Bob, I have a question. Uh, I've made an assumption for years, and you know a lot of people, you know, you can call me an ASS because I might be wrong. I have always been under the assumption that C&P doctors are also medically treating patients at various VAMCs. No, ma'am. I? They're not. Now, by the way,
1: Ben Kraus this past year another big development. Ben Kraus young uh, veteran and attorney up in um uh, Minneapolis St. Paul.
2: And I'm and by very the way, you know,
1: yeah. Ben's the guy who broke the story on the tra- traumatic brain injury uh the VACMPs on traumatic brain injury that the they weren't using the proper physicians because the regulation says that a neurologist, a board-certified neurologist, has to do the initial TBI exam. And they were using nurses, of course. So that's where that NBC uh, story that was all over the Internet came out a few months ago. So he foia oh. and he got the complete database of all the... Certifications by examiner, uh, VA-wide. So he's got. If you got the name of a CMP examiner, he can tell you what they're certified to do. And what we find out are uh, that as you bore down into this, that registered nurses are doing initial TBI exams, and also you've got. Uh, You've got these uh, QTC and these other contractors. There's more than one now. There's several contractors. These contractors are often working off-site, or uh, you'll be called in for a CMP exam on the weekend, on a Saturday. And usually if you're called in on a Saturday, that's this contract examiner using the, the VA treatment room to examine you. Uh we had a guy uh, out here he was so bad he was committing malpractice all the time. He was so bad at treating physicians that they took him off that work and they allowed him to do CMPs.
2: I was sure they did. And I and
1: I told the and I told the director, I I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. I said, "You know, if this guy does another CMP exam on one of my people, I'm going to take him up, we're going to take him up to the state licensing board." And he didn't do one for about a year, and then he did one, and then I took him up to the state licensing board. So, you know, you have to you have to stick to your guns. But the the yeah. thing is if uh, a lot of people, the deadwood are doing CMPs. Ps. You know, uh, you know, you got your choice. You can let them treat patients and kill them and get a federal tort claim act claim against you. Or you can put them over doing CMPs and turning everybody down, and that way you'll save money. So either they cost you a million dollars or they save you a million dollars. It's an easy decision for the VA. They just put these people doing CMPs. So, wow. uh, and, and and by the way, you, you, you've, you've all had ex- examples. If you dig around, you will find these CMP examiners going 180 degrees totally opposite of what the treating physicians you know and and sometimes the treating physician is a board certified psychiatrist and you have a psychologist who sees somebody for 10 minutes and turns them down on PTSD you know that kind of thing okay yeah Yeah. Uh, Uh, it's interesting you bought oh go ahead Doc but the answer is no that that very often, it's that's the reason the CMPs are so bad. Uh, it, for instance, in in the area again, the area of PTSD is a classic example. Uh, they're doing such a bad job because all of these contract psychologists can't even spell PTSD. <laughs> they wouldn't know it if it hit it up, hit them upside the head. They have no clinical experience working with people with PTSD, and I mean whether it's right. car accident victims or fire victims or, or sexual assault trauma or you know first responders you know even in a non military uh situation these people just simply you're reading the CMP re- reports and you're saying this person doesn't know anything about PTSD because they're putting down they're endorsing in the form all of the behaviors and all of the outcomes and then saying, well, you know, they've got all these behaviors and all these outcomes, but they don't meet the criteria for PTSD. Yeah, I
2: just I just saw a CMP exam uh, where they came out with personality disorder. Although the examiner said that they met most of the criteria for PTSD. You're absolutely right, Bob, and you know, you said a magic word. Uh, practice. I have a theory that CMP and p examiners uh, border on negligence in some of these exams, uh, and the simple fact that a strong independent medical opinion overcomes so many of these lousy c and uh, my point, and that's a documented fact, that, uh, anybody that goes to the BVA
0: knows yeah. that a lot
2: of remands are, you know, uh, based on the fact that an IMO overcame the exam, But uh, you mentioned Ben Krause. Last night I got a a call from a reporter who's doing a story on malpractice in New York State. And after talking to him for quite some time, I realized that there was so much he didn't know. You know, when I said Phoenix and Candyland and stuff like that, none of that rang a bell with him. So he needs a little bit of an education. He didn't know what NPR or NPDB meant. But that's okay. But, uh, Actually, I am trying to uh, hopefully maybe get him to focus a little bit more on uh, looking to some of these uh, c and guys. And you just gave me a tip because I forgot Van Krause, that list he has. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Uh, he's got uh, quite a story there. He just posted the other day on uh, um, some surgical malpractice at the VA. And apparently one of the doctors had already been sanctioned anyhow. But, you know nobody knows better than I do how low the VA will go on that practice claims, And they still continue to hide their statistics. And what really bothers me is I tried to find the most recent uh, general accounting office report on um, FTCA and VA uh, because the last report I used I had sent to Chairman Miller after the Phoenix um, situation. And and I told him, well, here's where all information is, where you guys got to go and see what's really going on there. Uh, And, of course, I never heard back. And then I wrote to the FBI, and they sent me a nice letter, but it said nothing. I don't even know. uh, Well, this is my last question because I get too excited about this stuff, and it makes me angry, Bob. My last question to you, Bob, is have you heard anything on the so-called FBI investigation of Phoenix? No, I, I haven't, and and you know
1: the way the FBI works, that's that's probably normal, you know.
2: Well, I I just hope that there is an investigation that's ongoing.
1: Um, now let me, you triggered a, a comment, two two comments here, Berta, to, to help everybody out there. First of all, there's a there's a rule everybody doesn't understand this about. The federal government, you you especially get into it in this, you know, in this uh, uh, malpractice litigation with with the VA. Um, a federal attorney only needs to be licensed in one jurisdiction. So, for instance, if I'm licensed in Michigan uh, and I get hired in Michigan, but then they want to move me to Oklahoma. I don't have to get admitted to the bar in Oklahoma because I'm going to be practicing in federal court. Okay. Okay. The the medical people are the same way. Yes. So if you're if you're licensed as a nurse in Michigan and the VA wants to transfer you to work in their VA outpatient clinic near Waco, Texas, you don't have to get licensed in Texas because you're working for the feds. The doctors are the same way. So this complicates my next point. But everybody's got to be licensed somewhere, either in the American Virgin Islands, you know, or American Samoa. they got to be Guam. they got to be something that counts as U.S. territory. They've got to be licensed in order to work for the VA. But they may not be licensed in your state. So when you go and check them, you know, if you want to file a complaint against somebody's license, you may have to do some tracking. You have to hunt around and find out where they're actually licensed. But I, especially on these, these, uh, uh, you know, these Lucy, Doctor Lucy, you know, um, you know, give me your nickel and I'll give you a CMP exam report. You know, the doctor is in. Um, here's your five minute c m p exam for those folks that that are just arbitrarily denying c m p and like you said you know personality disorder, yeah, the guy's a bedwetter, you know he's got two purple hearts and a silver star and a combat action ribbon, but he's a bedwetter. I don't think so Boy. you know personality disorder gets um gets people with with true personality disorder. Get weeded out in basic training and boot camp. They don't make. I it. would think so. Yeah. They
2: don't.
1: They don't make and, it. They can't. They can't and adapt. And
2: don't get it in the service. <laughs> they
1: they can't adapt socially to the military. They're gone. A person with a true personality disorder is is, is gone. Sometimes not. You know, you may argue that Bergdahl, he had some problems. You know, Bergdahl did get weeded out though. He did get weeded out in boot camp. He got weeded out from the Coast Guard. and then the army took him and didn't weed him out.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: And maybe interesting. And maybe that is a case of a guy who in fact does have a personality disorder but got through training because they keep lowering the standards, you know. The standards are always a moving target in the military. When they, you know, during Vietnam, you know, they lowered the IQ standard, you know, down to about 40 or something, you know and and of course then all those folks got preference and went to work doing claims i guess um adverse event reporting the VA has a a very veterans health administration has this beautiful program that they must have paid consultants quality assurance consultants and stuff to do this adverse event reporting It's beautiful. It's a model program. It's a model program. to, we made a mistake. Uh, The doctor's supposed to come in, tell you everything, full mea culpa, full disclosure. And the research shows that if they will do that, that it cuts down on litigation. Because if families find out later, they'll be mad. But if you come in and tell them, they'll be okay. And I had a hearing right. last week with with a guy who had a, a a bad heart ablation, and he elected not to file his federal tort claim act and not to sue them. And of course, he's still fighting. He's only got sixty percent benefits or seventy percent. He's Boy. still with them. You know, uh, they won't even give him TDIU, uh, even oh. though you know he he gave him a pass for a half a million bucks. So,, oh, but that's yeah. not department, you know, like the d r o says, that's not my department, you know this is you know I'm over here, and they're over there and 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 i and I explained that to him i mean he 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 made a knowing and informed decision not to them when they messed up his heart, but some people don't some people don't get all the information, sometimes it's hidden, well the two years is run before you ever find out they made a mistake but you need to go and do some research on the v a website and and I'll give Gerald what I found out about this adverse event reporting it's uh, he can put it up on the on the hadit website. It's really interesting stuff
0: that would be interesting because uh, I've never known um the v a to come forward and say they might have done something wrong
1: yeah oh uh, and by the way the you know the six eight eight uh the uh you know the the requirement the VSOs to write up a memo um oh the 646 the, yeah yeah the 686s the uh the the attorneys get a 90 day letter from the board and that's when you know we've got a window there too but yeah. that, but we don't do 686s and um but we have people at the regional offices who routinely send us the letter, waste time, and send us the letter requesting the 686. But the yeah. but the best one, you're talking about this overworked and not paying attention, um, the late Secretary Jesse Brown. Uh, I had a case, a Korean War vet, that, that Jesse Brown was the service officer on. He was the national service ah. officer. He wrote the 686. Yeah. And the case For was... Yeah, yeah, and the case was about the guy's right hip, and he wrote a really nice 686 about a left knee.
2: Oh. Oh.
1: Oh. So sometimes we're it, too busy and mistakes happen, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, he was the executive director of the DAV before he became VA secretary. Yeah, I know. Uh, that, that's disappointing, very disappointing. Uh, but, like uh, I said, he was always-
1: we're overworked and it's boilerplate. But so much of yeah. that you know, a six eighty six that's just boilerplate. Yeah. Might be might be more harm than no six eighty six at all.
2: Well, uh I, I thought they were called six forty sixes, uh, Bob. I've noticed that the board, uh very often I'm not, uh, with a, a VSO uh, representing the veteran will not even mention a six forty six or they may may say that they did receive one from the service officer, but only few and far between does the board make statements as to the argument that the VSO raised on the 646, which was, you know, a strong argument. So they are uh, usually just a boilerplate uh, piece of paper, but to me it's just one more thing that can make a, a file collect of before... As you said, there's an actual transfer to the board of the file. They can't do anything without it.
1: Oh, I, I've seen some of them that have just been brilliant. I mean, some of them that just, uh, that they nailed the law, they nailed the facts, you know, they're really good documents, yeah. and, and I cite to them in my brief. I say, look, you know, they said everything. Why are we here?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, why are yeah. we in court? Because, because the, the service officer... Uh, you know, the veteran testified, did a good job in his his or her testimony, and then the service officer wrote up an excellent brief here uh, and summarized the case, and then, then we get this ridiculous decision.
2: Well, you know, Bob, the answer is they got to get fabulous lawyers like you, pay you an exorbitantly high salary, get rid of BBA, and send you guys right into the general office to catch all this crap that they don't need a Board
1: of Appeal. Well, that was... Now, let let me tell you about the... We'll go back and revisit another issue. It's the end of the year, and we we, we live in hope of that one great day when some of these yeah. uh, bills actually pass Congress. But we went back. The Federal Bar Association and the American Bar Association joined in in supporting our effort to convert the board over to use administrative law judges, like Social Security does, and the the difference, you know, they call them veterans law judges now, but the difference is between sandlot baseball, where the kids call the balls and strikes themselves, versus uh, you know, and they say, well, you know, you're hosting the game, the game's at your field, so you have to provide the umpire. Versus professional sports, where the umpires are a whole separate division, they're they're independently yeah. managed and they're neutrals. You know that they don't work for one team or the other. Well, the the the, the veterans law judges work for the secretary. They're paid by the secretary. Social Security administrative law judges do not work for the Social Security Administration. I don't know if you guys knew that or not.
2: I didn't. and it, there goes conflict of interest so that we are forced to put up with with the VA,
1: right? Because, even with the same
2: doctor, right? Because <laughs> administ, federal
1: administrative law judges who have that that precise title are are run by the office of personnel management. OPM runs them under Title Five United States Code. And so a Title V administrative law judge and by the way the VA has some. Does anybody not, does anybody have an idea of uh of what the administrative law judges do at the VA?
2: I have no idea. Well Well, we, well don't they work on appeals, though? No. Well, they work on appeals all right.
1: We have to make sure that contractors get due process. Ow. Not veterans. Veterans don't need due process. But contractors, God forbid that a contractor wouldn't get all of the constitutional mandated and guaranteed due process of law. But veterans, third-class citizens, nah, eh, you know, mail them stuff when you want to, yeah, you know, shred their records, throw them away, put them in the wrong file, all that stuff. Who cares, you know? Um, so that that so they have this little group of administrative law judges that do the contract appeals. But as far as I know, those are the only ones that the VA has. But what we've suggested is that the board be converted over to work just like the office of disability adjudication and review at social security that they be staffed up with administrative law judges now typically uh, and and one thing that could happen then is that is that out at the regional offices you could you could have an administrative law judge s- sitting there and he or she could be working cases you know out of that that state, that geographic region um and you might still have a bunch in Washington, and you might be doing video conferencing, but the point is that you can with video conferencing it just doesn't matter i mean you can you can sit anywhere you want, and like they did in the in the heart and parkinson's and c l l um backlog. Uh, Detroit, a lot of the Detroit cases got sent to Togus, Maine hmm. and by the way that raises another issue I got a call one night from Togus, Maine at about 8 o'clock at night and this DRO was going to leave a uh, voicemail for me but I picked up so we talked and we took care of the case but they had a second shift working
2: hmm.
1: well you've got all the You know, the copy machine's there, the fax machine's there, the computer's there, the desk is there, you know, the lights work, the air conditioning's on. Why not have a second shift? Yes. If you're really interested at clearing up the backlog, why not? So uh, I thought that was really great. Somebody out there at at Togus was doing a good job. And, And we had... Um, I'll give those guys a, a tip of the hat. I I think there was one decision that came out of Togas so I wasn't really happy with. Everything else was great. And then that brings me to another topic, Camp Lejeune water. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We,
2: yeah, how about we, that?
1: Well, we made sure that none of those Marines will ever get their benefits. We sent that.
2: Down to Kentucky, to Louisville, to that RO. Wow, that's really great. Yeah, yeah. I, I posted the most recent news on that. It had it. it it's uh, uh It's good news. We've had at least one campus union award that had it. Uh, uh, I can't remember, and it, it wasn't that long ago. Well, but, but, uh, that's a serious situation. But, but there has been going on. To... To... It's been going on for five years.
0: My yeah. Oh, yeah
1: my guy got we, we got a decision very quickly it came back and they said well um, you know it's it's Camp Lejeune water and and your guy was never stationed at Camp Lejeune and, and so I wrote back and I said and I, I got on Yahoo Maps and I made a map you know I printed it off and and I sent it back, and I said, "You know, Camp Lejeune is here, and then there's this thing called New River Creek that goes down yes. out to the ocean." You know?
2: You oh, so, you won that claim for and, New River Creek? Oh no, no, listen.
1: And so, on the other side of New River Creek is Marine Corps Air Station New River. Okay. That also happens to be where the water wells are. That's how they got polluted. Was the rotor heads were throwing jet fuel and aviation gas and MEK okay. and oleum spirits and all kinds of other interesting, fun stuff out on the ramp, washing it with the fire hose down into the into the soil, and it percolated down into the water wells. So there's a big water main that goes from Marine Corps Air Station New River across the creek and over to main post now there's no p x or anything to my knowledge over there if you if you want to go to the club or go to the restaurant or the movie theater or any of that stuff you you've got to drive down to main post i i I assume there's a bus shuttle bus or something but um I haven't been there. I looked on the map. So so they went rambling on for this rating decision for about three pages about how my guy was a fraud and he'd never been at Camp Lynch. Oh. Oh, so it's that bad. I don't have a lot of hope for these guys. Um, the other thing they've done is, just like Agent Orange and the herbicides, they've been very, very narrow. Most of my Camp Lejeune guys have, oh, what do you think? Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, severe hemorrhoids, you know, all that gastrointestinal stuff. But they haven't developed cancers. But, of course, they're not going to pay on those because they're not on the list. Now. But believe me, Crohn's disease will kill you. Ulcerative colitis will kill you, and I've had some people die from it that were young. I had a, a gal die at age thirty from Crohn's. So, wow. Uh, this stuff is this stuff's bad, uh, but they just and and what happens, you know, as you you ingest all these chemicals, and it disrupts the flora and fauna in your intestinal tract in your GI tract. Um, ulcers too. A lot, you know, a lot of the people have ulcers and stuff. And they, they just have done a absolutely uh, horrific job of um, of set, of of looking at the science and saying, well, here's the science. And just like just like the herbicides from Vietnam, you know, they don't want yeah. to whole list down. Um, I'm working on a, a couple of glioma, blastoma cases. And, you know, they, the, the V.A. granted the first glioma case back in, I think, way back in 2004. And then Sheree Evans won in 2009. And yet, we had to go up to court again, you know, on a case here, a local case. I had my guy up in court. Uh, the Temple's case was up at the court uh, a few months ago. And, you know, my... Position in that was, why is general counsel litigating this when they know that there's scientific and medical evidence that supports this glioma as being related to the dioxin in in Asian Orange you know what yeah. you throw your hands up what yeah. And and like you and you know Bert, you know you said I said you know when they're monkey wrenching the claims, you say oh well you file an appeal and you file a VA nine, it's seven years. Yeah, yeah. My Vietnam veterans don't have seven years left. I don't have seven years left. I'm way past my expiration date here, as as Alex uh, Ask Nod would say. Uh, (laughs) You know know, I'm I'm uh, past my my shelf life. You know they're going to throw me in the dumpster. And so uh, we all are. I, I'm telling my Vietnam vets now, you know, I'm saying, you know, you need an IME. You need to get this medical report. We need to do this. Yeah. And, you know, when there's and they don't want to pay for it. And I said, look, you're either going to do this or you're never going to see your benefits. That's right. Because, Bob, you, don't Bob, have you
2: know, uh, three to uh, seven we lost years car.
1: left. We don't, have, we don't uh, have three to seven years left to pussyfoot around with this anymore.
2: Uh, one of our advocates uh, has had it, Carly Cash, a uh, 100% disabled veteran, uh, died recently uh, at a reasonably young age. Uh, she always told veterans, look, just collect pop games if you have to. Do what it takes to get that independent medical opinion because without it, as you well know, a lot of claims will be denied drugs without that independent medical opinion. But, of course, you also know, Bob, and a lot of that uh, have to realize that uh, lawyers and IMO, IME doctors cannot perform miracles. So there's got to be uh, meat with the potatoes in their evidence. Uh, and another thing, uh, I guess the time that's gone by on this show, and the show's been great, Bob, but uh, another thing veterans have to realize, they cannot sit on their thumbs. You know, they want to give it to a VSO or lawyer or this, that, the other. They have to be very proactive. And as long as they've got a computer, they've got the biggest weapon they could possibly get to fight on this battlefield, which it truly is, you know, dealing with VA. You know, they just can't sit there and hope things will um, change. And there's a lot veterans can do. But, you know, I say that with minimal disabilities myself, and I'm not a veteran. A lot of them can't do it, but like you say, Bob, they can always pay some high school student or neighbor's kid or something to Google for them, how much would it cost, you know, and how easy it is to get on a computer today. I mean, uh, I'm in a couple clubs at my church. We're all seniors in the club, and just about every one of those seniors has an email address and they're Googling all the time, you you know, I mean, uh, with with disabilities. You know, And some of them are veterans and some aren't. But disabled people today, that, it's a great outlet for uh, people with disabilities. You can find forums with people with your disability. Uh, you can go to places like Hadid. You can do so much on the Internet, and you can find buddies. Buddy statements, I think, are easier than ever because of the Internet. I mean, I found a guy, a, a buddy, that he said he couldn't find. I found that buddy, the same buddy, in about fifteen minutes on the internet, it's all out. I there. don't. Yeah, it, it's it, all there.
1: It's all out there. You know, um, Carol Scott from the Pro Bono Consortium, to, uh, a law professor, my way. And this lady was working on opening up a veterans' law clinic at at one of the law schools. And she oh. said, "Oh, you know." Um, Carol said that you would you would give us great words of wisdom, you know, and explain this VA stuff to us as a, you know, as a former um, adjunct professor that that worked in a veterans law clinic. And I said, well, it's it's not really mysterious. Let me explain it to you. Here's here's the here's all you have to know. Here's all your law students have to know to understand veterans law. You know this. Um, paternalistic, non-adversarial, claimant-friendly system of benefits stuff—that's all garbage. Forget, Hi. forget <laughs> that. Here's what it is: it's purely adversarial. It's a bar fight. It's broken beer bottles and broken cue sticks. There's no Marquis de Queensberry rules. Okay. <laughs> So pick up a cue stick and break it before the other guy does. Okay, it's but it's it's a bar fight because there's no federal rules of civil procedure, there's no due process, there's no due process, no discovery, there's no competence and there's no fairness. So so once you know once you know that the rule and the rule is that there are no rules. Once you know that you can play the game.
0: <laughs>
1: and and she said okay and and you know i i think she took it to heart but I, i'm serious because see the yeah. it says expressly you know in the va regulations well the federal rules of of uh evidence don't apply and and all the veterans think oh isn't that wonderful i don't have <laughs> to be technical and i don't have to well you know what um swords most swords have a have a a cutting edge on both sides That's right <laughs> And if you say you know if there's no rules I don't have to follow them but the other guy doesn't have to either <laughs> That's right So what was supposed know- to be a what was supposed to be a shield to protect the poor veterans you know the the lack of those procedural rules has become a sword for the like your evidence right what do they do you know you've got two pieces of evidence and they say oh we're taking this this piece of adverse evidence and we're gonna you know we're gonna credit that with uh, a lot of weight and the va is going to win well under the federal rules of evidence there's a, a whole pecking order of how you evaluate that evidence and you would say well well hold on you can't do that 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 evidence should be, you know, the the VA's evidence should be sh- thrown out. It's our evidence that should be that should be accepted. But because those rules don't apply and they're not there, it's just a, it's just wide open. It's it's the wild wild west, and and you, <laughs> it's sixty years of the wild wild west. That's what we've had.
2: Well, I
0: think it summed to that pretty correctly because. From what I've seen, uh, <laughs> there really is no rules uh, because uh, the VA will bend over backwards, do anything that they possibly can to sabotage or destroy a claim.
2: They want us to bend over backwards, Gerald, if you can get the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, that's what yeah. they want, Whoops. you know. And they, they they take the, you know, uh, uh, it's kind of funny. But I won two two claims uh, a few months back on benefit of doubt because they didn't extend the benefit of doubt or tell me why they didn't. And it was just a winning a, a point, a legal point on paper. I was real happy when I I got them to um, uh, develop the claim further because they at that point, had to weigh the evidence. But in, in the long run, uh, it was kind of fun to do that because benefit of doubt does not rise to the level of Q. But in the two particular circumstances I had, i, I figured, well, I I always think out of the box. See that, that, And that's the problem, too, Bob. We have to think out of the box. I had a Vietnam vet a long time ago. They were going to reduce his comp uh, because he had boots on the ground. He had two kids of college age that were depending on Chapter 35 to get through college, plus the champion. He would have lost everything. We had a long conversations on the phone in those days. I had time to talk on the phone, uh, and I was particularly with this guy because I was very concerned about his uh, uh, their proposed reduction. Well, to make a long story short, they not only canceled the hearing, they, they restored a the whole nine yards after we got done with them. He proved he had one booth on ground, not two, but one. <laughs> but this is my point is, he came out of long conversations where I kept trying to draw him out about his Vietnam experiences. And sure enough, he forgot something critical and remembered it one day talking to me. And that the memory is, what well, he could prove. He, he got right on the phone, on the computer. He proved what he did. He helped a Vietnamese uh, officer into a small uh boat to bring him through the main vessel and went and I said, Well, how did you get him in the boat? He said, Well I reached out my arm to him and I said, Well, where did you put your foot? He said, I put one of my feet on the bank of the river and it was bingo. They were not agreeing that he had been in brown water. They weren't even using the term brown water in those days. But the thing is I guess my long point is a lot of this development, a lot of service officers don't have the time to do it. And uh, people like me, I no longer have the time to to draw planes out. Unless it's online, I'll do my best. But uh, veterans have to draw themselves out sometimes. They have to really jog their memory on some of this stuff because I found that the needle in the haystack can be found.
1: Well, you know... Um Gerald and I were doing some research on spoliation, which is when when uh, uh evidence is destroyed in, in civil civil or criminal litigation.
2: And yeah.
1: and the reason we were looking is because of all these claims files that are getting improperly scanned and improperly digitized. Oh, that. So well, what's the what's the remedy for the person whose claims file gets totally destroyed and 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 has to reconstruct it what's the sanction to the agency and the answer is there is none you just there lose all your claims your case goes dead in the water for years and the 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 malfactors they they suffer no penalty and then what's the what's the remedy for the poor guy that we know about the the master sergeant here in Michigan who, the, the, the core of his service records, 50 pages, probably the most important 50 pages of this guy's service records, got dumped into Gerald's claims file. Oh, my gosh. 50 and what pages. If, and, and, and I'm sure that this guy was, his claims were getting denied, unless he had sent that stuff in himself and it was somewhere else in his claims file, because those records, we know where they were. They were stuck in jail oh God! And well, what, what's the sanction to the to the agency what where's the, you know one of the things we talked about in in uh one of the things they do here and, and they do in a lot of administrative law, which is what veterans law is, for instance, drilling permits if you want to drill an oil well in Michigan, you file your application. And, of course, you have to have maps and surveys and a plan of what you're going to do and, and everything. And you file that up in Lansing. And if they 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 do a triage on it, they look at them and they say, eh, yeah, okay, you know, that's that's a good plan, and we're not going to oppose it. And they can either sign right off on it, but if they don't, or if they want to do a little more research, they What they have to do, the uh, the licensing authority has to within 30 days either say why they object and that they're not going to approve it or it's deemed approved. So in other words, wow. if you file the claim for PTSD and it's supposed to be a 120-day review and at the end of the 120 days the VA hasn't gotten to it, you know, why don't they just simply grant the claim? You know, yeah, and why, why of course you still have to go to a CMP to to figure out the percentages and of course if it was a fraudulent claim you could get in trouble downstream. But let's assume that it's an honest, you know, it's a broken leg claim. The broken leg stuff's all in the in the service medical records. You know, why why does it have to sit around for 2 years? before somebody hits a lick at it.
2: It, it it's because
0: the EA tries to deny the obvious Well it didn't happen in service.
1: It it's 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 all about saving money. You know, it can't it can't be about running a good shop because obviously that's not the way workflow goes through a, a well run operation. So there's just there's significant problems with all of this. Anyway, uh, we've we've talked about some ideas over the the past year, year and a half, and you know one of the things I, I really think that these administrative law judges would um, would do wonders for us. And one of the things an administrative law judge will do, um, a lot of people end up in front of a Social Security administrative law judge, and they don't have an attorney. And the judge will bring them up for a hearing, and they'll tell them, um, you know, now they've looked at their file a little bit, and they'll say, you know, we can we can go ahead today. You'll be okay. Or they may tell them, you know, you really need to to have an attorney. You really need to go back and make sure all your evidence is turned in and get this stuff done. So it's a kind of a wink, nod, hint, hint, uh, that you know if, if, if you don't get some help, I'm going to turn you down. And some of the judges are good that way. They don't have to do that, but they do that. And so then the people, that, that's when people show up at my office. You know, I say, oh, you know, the the judge says I should get an attorney, and I said, well, then you you dig into it. I just, by the way, here's a here's an admonishment out there to all the younger uh, vets. I had two veterans come in in the last two months, both with the same situation. They were both on unemployability. I think one guy's eighty and one guy's a seventy. They're both off work. They filed for Social Security. They signed all the releases at the Social Security Office, and of course they actually thought that the VA medical center and the VA regional office were going to send the records to social security
0: or not
1: okay so when we get these files and we look there's about you know there's about 100 pages of private stuff in there which is nothing cuz these guys are getting all their health care from the VA Folks, if you're doing a Social Security claim, it is a hand grenade. You can't keep filing and filing like in the old days. They changed the law a few years ago. Social Security is not like VA. You can't keep going back and going back and going back. It's one shot. So what you have to do is you have to go out to the medical centers, and you got to get the CDs with all of your records on them and then you've got to go to the VA regional office and you've got to get your claims file. And you've got to get that now. One of my guys took the CDs over to the local Social security field office and they said, we can't accept those. There are some words that should come out of your mouth when they tell you that. Let me speak to your supervisor. Because the Social Security system's all set up to upload those PDFs right straight into your Social Security claims file. Okay? But if they don't want to do that, then go over to Staples, go over to wherever and print it out and bring them back a mountain of paper. Mm-hmm. but make sure that when you turn it all in that you get a receipt from them saying that I got 1,376 pages of paper from you today <coughs> so that they cannot lie and not put it in the file but but the reason these two guys lost, they're very disabled but the reason they lost is that when the when the Social Security doctors looked at the file, there was nothing there. The CMP exams weren't there. The ratings weren't there. Uh, all the treatment notes from the medical centers, you know, and, and we got the one guy, when we got his medical center records from here in town, there was like 280 pages. I'm sure he would have won.
0: Well, with that, Bob, i um... I hate to cut this short, but uh, we have absolutely ran out of time. Well,
1: I want to wish everybody uh, all the best in 2016. And, you know, we, we live in hope of that one great day when that 100% total and permanent service-connected award will show up in the mail. But until then, we'll just keep working on them. Everybody keep the faith and have a great and Merry Christmas.
0: You too. Thank and, you, uh, Bob. Thanks for coming Same. on, and thank you, Berta, for calling in. You had some really good questions there.
2: Uh, well, uh, Bob Walsh always gives us a great show. Uh, Gerald, uh, thank you. Thank John. Uh, Jay Bass are there there uh, putting on these shows. And hey. thankfully, uh, Bob Walsh has ended the show in an optimistic vein when you consider the... Uh, the uh, ALJ uh, concept, the, uh, you know, uh, administrative law judge concept, that, that could change a lot. And and it might change fast if this is a possibility. And the one thing veterans me is hope. And so I, I feel kind of hopeful now in the new year that there is something that we can match on and hope about. You know, uh, and, you know, it can't get any worse either. So things have got to get better. Oh, don't say that. Merry Christmas. <laughs> 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 well, I that, have a wonderful. Let's all
0: sharpen their swords over the holidays here.
2: Well, well, yeah, maybe. Get, get ready for hours. a new battle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you all. Uh, A great show. Uh, with that, this
0: will be Gerald Cook uh, uh, and with Jay Basser, and we'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio show sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Baster Show.